Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Loud and proud, just say Ephesians. I, I, I love that. I love it. Look at your neighbor and say that wasn't loud enough. It wasn't loud enough, man. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, we're in a series tonight that we've been in for the last four weeks now, uh, simply called Ephesians. By the way, um, I know you've already given rounds of applause for lots of people, and so I won't have you do it again. Um, but Brad, you're the man. And I haven't told you this except for an email form, uh, but I, Brad creates all of our graphics. Brad, I love the graphic you created for our Ephesians series. Uh, you are the man, Brad. You are like the MVP of everything we do, and I honor you tonight. But we're in this series uh, talking about the book of Ephesians. And uh, in case you haven't been here, let me catch you up. We're not studying the book of Ephesians like word for word, because that would take forever ever to study it line by line, word for word. I do know some people that when they study books of the Bible, like from the pulpit, they literally take an entire year or sometimes like more and word for word. We're not doing that. We're taking one, someone say one. We're taking one verse from each chapter and we're, uh, we're studying that. However, I did encourage you the very first week, I do not know if you remember this, uh, but I encouraged you, just challenge you, read the book of Ephesians every single week. We're studying the book of Ephesians as, as a youth community, and I'm encouraging you, read it every single week. You could literally read one chapter a day. It will take you less than five minutes, and in six days, because there's six chapters, you could read the entire book of Ephesians every single week, and in the course of six weeks, you'll have read that, you guessed it, six times, and I guarantee you that in your personal study, uh, God, will, God will speak to you. However, let me say this. The book of Ephesians is split up into how many sections, someone? Two different sections. Yeah, okay. So we've got to do some recap because apparently no one remembers what we've been talking about. It's split into two different sections. Uh, the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to this church, and he has this like great revelation that God really does want to use the church in like a magnificent way. Now, I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating. Um, the church is a big deal. I don't mean our church is a big deal. I mean like the big C, like the church, the body of Christ is a big deal. Did you know that when Jesus left, he didn't hand his mission to an individual? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't go, wow, Peter, I know you denied me three times, but you've made up for it with all the gifts you've given me, so I hand you. No, he handed his mission to a group of people. He handed his mission to, to the church. The church, that, that is the, the ones who have been called together for the purpose of not only worshiping God, but the purpose of growing in relationship with him together. And then as a, as a whole, changing the world around them. The church is the body of Christ. Did you know that, that, that our local gathering, that we should be like the expression or the image of God in our world? Like, 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 the, like the world right around us, they should be able to know and see who Jesus is in a more fuller way because of the way we live, because of the way we, the, the way we, we do community. Paul has this great revelation writing Ephesians, and this great revelation he has is that the church is God's instrument to literally not just change culture, but to, 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 to mess up all of the enemy schemes and evil strategies that the church is supposed to be, for lack of better words, doing work on the earth. 
and and I I don't have it in front of me, but 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 there's a quote by by a scholar uh, who who writes about Ephesians. He says that Paul, while he has this revelation, here's what he knows: that before the church can go to war, or or before we can like start doing great things for God, we have to learn how to walk rightly. But before you learn how to walk, you have to learn how to stand. Like I have a seven month old right now, and she can neither walk nor stand. What was that? She, she, like, was this, like, is my phone, like, listening to me? Technology, man. Um, but uh, she, she, she can neither walk nor stand, but I do know she will not just start walking one day. She'll learn to stand first. And so the book of Ephesians, I'm telling you that because it's split into two different sections. Someone say two. Okay, so next week when I say how many sections is Ephesians written in, you will all say two. Thanks, Nicholas. I need it counseling because of you. Um, uh, a joke from earlier, uh, but it, it's, it's split in, into two sections. And the first section is all about our identity in Christ. Who, who, who are we? Where do we stand in Christ? The second section is all about, I'll, I'll say it kind of like in a Bible college term, it's all about Christian practice. In other words, it's all about how do you walk Okay, how do you live? Hey, that, that's awesome. Who you are in Christ, you're loved, you're, you're holy. We talked about the, the very first week that we're loved by God, we're uh, righteous, we're blameless, we're holy, we're the children of God. That, that's awesome. But now that I know who I am, I have my identity, I have my uniform and my name badge. Now, how do I actually start walking and living in the way that Jesus has asked me to, to, to live. Why is it that we as Christians at large, we do more talking than we do walking? Why is it that we, we, we somehow think that obedience is legalism? We, we, we live in a Christian culture and climate that we don't like to be held accountable and we don't like to talk about walking in the ways of God, but that's legalistic. I, no, 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 it's grace, man. I'm loved by God. I'm forgiven. That's great. But Romans chapter one, we won't read it for time's sake, but the apostle, while he writes, hey, just realize you've been given grace for the purpose of obedience. Did you know that? That you weren't given grace just so that you could like go to heaven and do whatever you want. The Bible goes, no, grace has been bestowed upon you so you can be brought near to God, but secondly, so that you can begin to walk in obedience. So you have the power to be able to do what Jesus has said to do. And so we're, we're talking for the next three weeks now about walking. Someone say walking. And so we're gonna talk tonight about walking worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Ephesians chapter four, verse one, I'll read this verse to you and then we'll uh, jump into the sermon. And uh, maybe at some point, if I run out of things to say, we'll call Isaiah up here for a 60 seconds of fire. A anybody, do you miss 60 seconds of fire? Anybody feel like you could just go for one right now? Like you just, like you're hungry for a, I, 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 won't, I won't put him on the spot. We, we were talking about it before church. He's like, don't put me on the spot. I'm like, I promise you I won't unless I feel like it in the moment, then I will. But I, I, I won't. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. It's our, it's our verse for tonight. Here's what the apostle Paul says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That's all I wanna read, just, just that verse. I want to read a couple more times and I might even give you some, some descriptives with it. Paul goes, I therefore the prisoner, the prisoner of the Lord, 
Paul, he, he didn't see himself as a free man. Although he, he writes a lot about how we have freedom in Christ, right? So he writes that like, we, we're now free from the law. So I'm not, I'm not bound by the law anymore. I don't have to do the things that God is, is, is uh, requiring so that God loves me. No, God loves me no matter what. I, I've been freed from the works of the law. No, Jesus has paid the price. He, he uh, fulfilled the law. So now simply by faith, I have relationship with him. Paul talks a lot about Christian liberties and, 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 and Christian freedoms. So why does Paul write, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord? I'll tell you why he writes that and why he starts a lot of letters for that. Because Paul saw himself like, like a prisoner who, who, who was bound in handcuffs. Bound, handcuffed to, in prison to the calling that was on his life. I, I was telling, telling Isaiah this earlier. I, I've gotten the question, not a lot, but at times like, hey, if you weren't a pastor, what would you do? And honestly, I have no idea because here's what I know. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I would be miserable because while maybe I wouldn't use as dramatic language, I feel bound to the calling with which I've been called. I want you to see that tonight because I think there's something that we should allow to sink in that God, while I am free, you've called me to something. And like Paul writes, God, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be bound by that. Not in kind of legalistic way, but in a way that, that compels me and goes, I must. Do you remember Jesus in Luke 2.42, I think? Do you remember what he said to his mom and dad when, when they found him? He said, I must. Someone say must. He goes, I must be about my father's business. Can I ask you, it's not even the sermon, but can I ask you, do you live with that kind of an ump on the inside? I must be about what God's called me to. I must be about the calling, the purpose that God has on my life. He goes, I, a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. I'm begging you. I'm, I'm, I'm on my hands and knees. Have you ever begged for something before? Anybody, you, you'll admit tonight, you ever begged for something before? Like two people, really, you've never begged before. Uh, do you have ways, uh, let's call it what it is, of trying to manipulate your parents for, for, for things that you want? Last night, I fell victim to manipulation. We, we were driving home from uh, my daughter's baseball practice. It was just me and her. And she, she's in the back and she goes, Dad, sure, I'm hungry. I, I said, oh, what, 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 what do you feel like? Um, it sounds like pois, pois, like pois. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just like it sounds like that. Do you? Do you mean your favorite ice cream place, PWs? Yeah, yeah, PWs. And she goes, Dad, I think I'm going to die if I don't have a milkshake. <laughs> and she's just sitting in the back like, and uh, so we, we got a milkshake. Um, <laughs> but, but Paul goes, he goes, I'm begging you. I'm on my hands and knees giving you a I beseech you, listen to this, walk or live worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, we're, we're going to get into the sermon for, in just a second, but eyes and ears, attention, just keep it here for at least for a second. If you're planning on zoning out, picking your nose, passing a note, just do it in a second, not right now, because I want you to hear this. Um, when, when we see this word worthy, here, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you're trying to live up to something to like meet a standard. Paul's not going, hey, I want you to like be worthy 
of this calling? Like, like have, you, have you ever felt like you just didn't measure up before? You ever felt like, like you, he's not saying, hey, currently you're not good enough. So I need you to, I, I need you to just like do better. No, this word worthy, what, what, it's, what it's showing us, it, it's really showing us something that comes into alignment. It, it's a recognition of who I am and so my life has to come into alignment. For example, it's the only example I could think of. I said that I would use it as an illustration, but like uh, there is a Chick-fil-A employee sitting on the front row right here, Miss Caitlin Dreyer. Miss Caitlin Dreyer has taken my order in the drive-thru and delivered on my request for a sweet tea, French fries, and a chicken sandwich. Um, Caitlin Dreyer, you have a Chick-fil-A uniform, right? Okay. Um, you have a Chick-fil-A name tag, right? What does it say? You use your real name? Wow, that's bold. Okay. Um, so it says a name tag. Um, and when, when, when you show up to work, what are things that, that, that are required of you as a Chick-fil-A employee? Okay. 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 That's why I didn't work there. My belly button piercing anyways. I'm just kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, so that's perfect. Okay, so let me ask you a question. So I'm a new Chick-fil-A employee. I got rid of my nose piercing. I said no to the belly button ring. I'm, I'm a new Chick-fil-A employee, okay? I, I, I have the job. I'm hired. I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on the payroll. If I show up wearing what I'm wearing, and I'll walk in, bad attitude, Hey, can, can you do the register? No, no, I don't feel like it. And, and someone comes by and they go, hey, hey, thank you so much. And I went, whatever. Would, would my behavior, would it be in alignment with my role as a Chick-fil-A employee? No. So Paul's not saying, hey, hey, measure up. Do better, be better, get better. No, what he's saying is, hey, recognize there's a calling that's on your life. Brandon, what, what is the call that's on my life? Let me give you a, a really quick just synopsis. I can't tell you tonight what the specific purpose and plan is, but I can give you very generically. First of all, every single one of us, someone say all of us, all of us have been called to live our whole life to see souls saved and disciples made. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Bible says Matthew 28, 19 through 20 and 2 Corinthians 5, 20, I think that we are to go into our world and live and give for the purpose of seeing people come to know Jesus. Not just to see people come to know Jesus, but to see people grow in relationship with God. That, that, that we're now the ambassadors, the representation of Christ. The Bible says all of us, we've been given gifts. Like, like you have a talent, you have a skill, you have something that nobody else has. And the Bible goes, take your gift and use it to serve and build my house, my body. We've all been called to, to give our life to see people saved. We've all been called to give our life to see people grow. Like just quick question, and, and it's rhetorical, who are you discipling right now? Like who are you currently meeting with, talking with on a regular basis and helping them to grow, to catch up to where you currently are? You might not know everything, but you know something. 
You might not have it all, but you have something. And we're called by God, all of us, to say my whole life, it's not lived for like this, this planet and this life. It's lived for eternity. And so I've, my whole life is I'm called by God to reach people, to help people grow, to use what I've been given to build God's house. Like, well, what does that mean for me long-term? I don't know, because here's the thing about God's calling. All of us will be called to different places. So like there's some of you in here that maybe you're called to be a pastor. Sweet, awesome. That's a small percentage though. Do you know why? Because we live in a dark world and we need the light to go everywhere. So there's people in here, you're called to be a doctor. You're called to be a lawyer. You're called to be a firefighter. You're called to be a Chick-fil-A employee, whatever it might be, God will send you somewhere, but not for the purpose of just doing that job, but for the purpose of being and doing what he's called you to do in that place. We need more scientists and biologists that are changing the field for, for Christ. We need more doctors who are changing the medical industry because they know they've been called to bring light to a do- Like we, we gotta go. And, and Paul goes, he goes, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk. Someone say walk. walk. To, to walk, to live worthy in alignment with the calling with which you've been called. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Title of my sermon tonight is simply this. Title of the sermon is simply this. Alignment and assignment. Look at your neighbor and say alignment. Oh, come on. I... I I saw you didn't participate. Look at your neighbor again. Say alignment. Okay, look at your other neighbor and say assignment. Okay, I want to talk tonight. How do you get in alignment? How do you get in alignment? And how do you start living for the assignment that God's put on your life? Someone said amen. All right, I'm gonna give you three thoughts quickly tonight and then we will close. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing that you, you, you gotta get, get in, in line, get in order is your lifestyle. So, so, someone say lifestyle. lifestyle. Um, you are an ambassador. You're a representative of, of Jesus. L- l- let's just consider for a second the lifestyle of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says he was without sin. Jesus, he, he, was, he, he, he was without fault. The Bible says that Jesus, he fulfilled the law in its entirety. The Bible says, Jesus, that he came not just to be our savior, but to be an example. Someone say example. Example for how we are to live. I was watching last night. If, if you're a part of our church, you come on Sundays, you know Pastor Spencer. Pastor Spencer's our worship pastor, and his son is on uh, my daughter's baseball team, or they're on the same team, however you say that. And um, I didn't realize until we started playing baseball that Spencer's like a baseball fanatic. I didn't realize he grew up playing baseball. He's into baseball, and so he's like an assistant coach. And I was watching him last night. They they, they were working on, on like, you know, how to get to the base. And uh, he was working with this one kid. They were, like, not a good runner, and they'd be like (laughs) – And they would like stop short of the base or like miss the base. He's like, no, 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 no. And I'm watching Spencer's like, no, watch me, watch me, watch me. There's the base, you run through the base. And he's like, like it's like dramatic and he's, he's being an example. Jesus said, my life, I came not just to, to save, but I came to give you an example for, for how you are to live. Well, I'm not Jesus, Brandon. 
Like, I, I, I can't live perfect. Well, I, no one's asking you to live perfect, but, but God is asking you to live obedient. And do you, do you know what obedience is? Obedience isn't just being perfect. Obedience is quick repentance. See, see you're, you're only accountable. Hear, hear me tonight. You are not accountable for what God is speaking to me. You're accountable for what God's speaking to you. Do you know that you're not going to stand before Jesus one day and be held accountable for things he asked somebody else to do? No, you'll be held accountable before the Lord for things that he's asked you to do. Heard someone say this, and I love it. They said, uh, the sign of spiritual maturity is not perfection. It is quick repentance. It is God, to the best of my ability, I want to live pleasing and honor, and I know that I'm not going to get it right all the time, but as soon as Holy Spirit, you, you convict me. As soon as I realize, oh, I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said that. I, I, I shouldn't have did that. I, I, I shouldn't have. It's, it's, a, it's a heart that goes quickly. God, I repent. The Bible says 1 John chapter 1 something. It, it says that if we would confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The Bible goes every single time you come before God and you just bring sin. God, here, here's, here, here's my sin. This is like, like, do you know, like there's an acknowledgement that has to happen. Like, like we, we have to acknowledge, hey, hey God, um, like you already know, but I'm just bringing you this. And I'm saying like this thing right here, that's sin. That, that's not, that's not Okay. I know that you said in your word that I should not fill in the blank. God, I know that you spoke to me so clearly that I should not fill in the blank. And God, I did. And I'm just acknowledging, God, it's sin. It's not okay. And I'm confessing it and I'm asking you and receiving from you, would you forgive me? And would you completely cleanse me of all of my sin? Did you know the first step to walking worthy or in alignment, it's how you live. Like, like, like you and I, you gotta realize that so much of our testimony or so much of our ability to like minister to people or reach people or, or help people, it's not in what you say, it is in the consistency of your character. Like, like it, is, it is impossible for, for you to be able to be used by God to preach a message of good news that Jesus has come to rescue and redeem and forgive us and free us of all of, of, all of our sin, that he really does promise a life, life abundantly in his ways when we act like, talk like, walk like, think like everybody else. There should be a difference. There should be a distinction. You... you the Bible goes that we, we are light, that our light should shine bright. Your light should be so distinctly different than, than, than the world around you that the brightness of your light, that it's contagious, that, that it's, it, it's electric, if you will. Your lifestyle matters. And, and can I say this? Not only does your lifestyle give you credibility, not only does your lifestyle act as a testimony, but it's actually your lifestyle that will open doors and allow God to use you. Listen to the scripture, one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, verse something. I forget where we're starting. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, but in a great house, there were not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. In my house, we have sippy cups and we have fine china. It's not that fine, but it is fine though. 
we got, we got sippy cups and we got, and the Bible goes in, in a great house, like there's, diff, there's different kinds of vessels. Some vessels are for honor and some are for dishonor. It says, therefore, if anyone, someone say anyone. All right, real quick, look at your neighbor, full participation. Just look, look at him real quick and just tell him that includes you. That includes you, anyone. Okay, so, so the word anyone in the Bible, it literally means anyone. So good news, if you're here tonight, this verse is talking about you. It's talking about you. Therefore, if anyone, listen, will cleanse himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart. He'll, he'll be a vessel of honor that's set apart. I love this. And useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Like, I, I know we don't like to think about this, but, but we are tools in the master's hand. Like, us being able to be used by God, it's, it's not a matter of your talent, your charisma. I, I just don't know, man, if I'm, if, 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 if I'm good. No, no, you're a tool. Like, I know you didn't come to church to be called a tool, but you're a tool. And so am I. And, and the Bible goes, God, he will place us in his hand and he will use us to make impact. He will use us to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but, how, but like, how, how do I get, get my life to where God will use me? The Bible goes, when you cleanse yourself from the last, when you cleanse yourself from sin, from unrighteousness, from that which is not pleasing to God, you become a vessel in God's hand, a tool in God's hand that is prepared and useful for the master's work. I love this. It says, so flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The Bible goes, if you will cleanse yourself, the last thing I'll say about it and then we'll move on. But here's what I want you to see. The Bible doesn't say if God will cleanse you, but, but that's how we think a lot of times. Man, I, I can't wait for summer camp. Why? You know, it's been... Haven't really been living close with God. Just haven't really been living right. I, I just, you know, I, I need summer camp because I know like that last night, you know, the cry night where like there's the Holy Spirit and a lot of tears and like it's pretty emotional, but I mean the vibe, Isaiah said earlier, I say vibration, the vibration in the place. It's like God's there and I just go to the altar and I'm like, all right, God, cleanse me. The Bible goes, cleanse yourself. And, and here's, what it, here's what it's saying is realize Jesus has already paid the highest price. Jesus has already cleansed you from all sin, all unrighteousness. Jesus has already made a way for us to be washed whiter than snow, forgiven and purified from all of our sins. But we have to continually go before him and say, God, cleanse me. God, I'm, 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 bringing, my, I'm bringing sin, I'm confessing sin. God, I'm, I'm actively living a lifestyle that's saying, God, I, I want to be clean. I want to be holy. I want to be pure. And so I'm actively living a lifestyle of repentance and confession saying, God, at all times, I want to be pleasing to you. So God, if there's anything that's not, one of my prayers almost every day, God, if there's anything in here that's not right, that I don't even see yet, will, will, will you convict me of it and bring it to the surface so I can get it out of my life? Why? Because I, I, I want to cleanse myself so I can be useful for the master. Number two, write this down. Second thought tonight, how do we walk worthy of the calling? Number two, write this down. 
priorities. Priorities. Can I ask you this? How do you prioritize your life? Um, when and where on your calendar is daily time with God? When it comes to prioritizing time to spend in the presence of God versus time scrolling on my phone and watching Netflix, what gets priority? When, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir tonight, but when it comes to being like, God, I'm going to be committed to be in your house as opposed to doing this other thing. What gets priority? When, when it comes to saying, God, I want to grow and I want to learn and I, I want you to, 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 to keep stretching me and helping me as opposed to doing whatever, what gets priority? See, because part of walking worthy of God's call is saying, God, there are certain things in my life that get priority. In other words, God, you get priority. Whatever you're asking me to do, what, whatever it is that you're, you're speaking to me, whatever opportunities you're laying in front of me to grow, to become more like you, to serve, to build your house, to, to, to help people. to God, whatever you're putting in front of me, I give priority to that which you have called me to. I heard this quote recently, and I've said it like a million times because I love this quote. But, but I heard this man named Dr. David Shibley said this. He said, careers and hobbies you can steer, but calling drives you. Careers and hobbies and fun things like yeah you can like I'll, like I'll, I'll steer that and I'm, I'm I'm gonna do this some, but but something about God's calling when you really get convicted it drives you. I was telling Caleb earlier we were meeting that this isn't my only motivation but I'm driven in the morning to spend time with God. You know why? Because I'm convinced of His call, and I know John 15. God, if I don't abide in You, I can't do it. God, God, if I'm not putting myself before you and in front of you for you to every single day just mold me and shape me and change, God, I can't do it. The calling that we, it should drive you. There, there should be, be a driving passion on the inside that says, God, I, whatever I gotta do to walk and to live in alignment with what you've called me to, God, that's the priority of my life. Listen to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, it says this. Paul is writing and he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We'll pause right there. Go back to verse 15. Paul goes, he goes, see then that you walk. What in the world is that? Um, oh, it's Miss Olivia. That's cool, Olivia. You're fine. Um, see then that you walk circumspectly. Do you know what that word circumspectly means? It means very carefully. It means accurately. It means with purpose and intentionality. And I love this. He goes, see then that you walk purposefully, accurately, with intentionality, not, not as fools, but, but as wise. In other words, Paul goes, foolish people, they let life and, and the day just carry them wherever it wishes like the wind. But wise men, they walk with intentionality and purpose. And I love this next verse. It says in verse 16, redeeming the time. So I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. And I was reading this a couple months ago and I stopped and I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna look up this word redeem. What does is, what is redeeming mean? And I, I love the picture that it gave because it gave the picture of someone purchasing something. And, and I, I should have written it down so I could 
tell it to you verbatim, but it, it gave a picture of someone purchasing something for their own selfish use and gain. And, and, and it said, this person, they like, like as if it were currency, as if it were money, they, they use intentionality and, and, and they use right motives to, to purchase their days so their days belong to them and their days are useful for what they want to do. This, it's a word picture. And, and what it's picturing is someone that goes, okay, my days, I have to own my days. Did, did you know that we, like, we, we kind of got to own our days? Like, like if, if you just do math, me and Caleb were being playful earlier and we do math with the calculator because I'm not good at math without the calculator. And we, we were just like, just do a time estimate. Like how much time do we really have? If I sleep this amount of time every day, and if I spend this much time at work and this much time at school, and let's just say that I spend this much time, you know, doing this hobby, how much time is, I think you'd be surprised if you just did the math with a calculator to realize how much time you have. This word redeem, it, it paints a picture of someone that goes, no, no, no. By making wise decisions and intentionality as if it were money, I'm going to purchase, I'm going to buy my time to make it my own. It's, it's painting a picture of someone who goes, every day has to count. Every day has to matter. Every day has to count, it has to matter because, because today could be the last one. Like, 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 I know it's just, like, it's first block. I hate first block. My teacher is so annoying. Like, it's for, like, we're tired. You have way too much energy. You've had too much coffee. Like, I don't even want to be here, but, but, but we don't know when Jesus is coming back. I don't know if today is the last day I get to walk my school campus. I don't know if today will be the last day I get to sit at this lunch table with this person and, and have an opportunity to, sh to share with them. And so I'm going to make the most of my time. How do I walk worthy? Well, it's my lifestyle. Number two, it's, it's my priorities. And, and number three, write this down. And, and Isaiah, you can come help us close and we'll be done right here. But number three is this. It's our goals. It's goals. Can, can I ask you this tonight? What are your goals? What, what, what are your goals? Do, do, do you have goals? I, I think goals are kind of important. Um, I think goals kind of like should be a big deal, but kind of not because sometimes we set unrealistic goals. Like I think I told you this last week, I had a goal when I graduated high school to dunk. Never happened. Probably wasn't the best goal. Um, I've had goals before to get really good at a certain sport or a certain hobby. And I, th I, think, I think goals are important. But what, what, what I mean by goals is, maybe it would be a better way to say it. What's the point? Can, can, so just help me, help me for a second. Just kind of in like an annoying way, just say, what's the point? What's the point? What's, whatever you're doing right now, can I ask you a question? What's the point? What's the goal? What's the goal? Yeah, man, I feel like I'm just graduated high school. It's awesome. No more high school. No more of that teenage drama. I'm going to college now. Do adult things with mature people. I'm done with all these children. And I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, be a doctor. That's what, I, what I'm going to do. Awesome, cool. What's, what's the goal, though? I just told you the goal is to be a doctor. No, nah, it's like, what's the goal? I just like the, the goal is to like, be it, be it, yeah, but what's the goal though? Okay, like it's to make a lot of money. That's really my goal. Like I just want to make a lot of money and it's not, it's not the right goal. 
the goal of everything that we do has to come back to the calling with which we've been called. Dope. You, like, you want to be a music producer? Awesome. Awesome. Like, you you want to be an athlete? Cool. You, you feel like God's calling you to, to, to be an artist? Awesome. Amazing. You think God's the calling you to be the greatest airsoft champion of all times? Amazing. Awesome. As long as you're able to realize, God, the only reason you're putting me in this space right now is because there's a goal. And that goal is not money. It is not fame. It's not even fun. That goal is people. The Bible says God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only begotten. Why? Because God loves people. And, and part of how we go, I'm going to walk worthy of the calling, is in everything we do and everywhere we go, we remember the goal, the point of me being here doing this is there's people that God wants to use me to reach. Like, like for, for anyone graduating going to college, do you know that the goal of you going to college really isn't just the degree, it's the people that are going to be all around you. The, the goal of your job, the, like, like the, the, the goal of your, your, your team, it's always the mission. We always got to be on mission to say, God, I want to walk worthy of the calling. You've called me to give my whole life to reach people, to help people, to know you and grow in relationship with you. So even though I'm a, I'm a counselor, I'm a psychologist, I'm whatever it is, God, the goal ultimately is to bring glory and honor to you and to use it as a vehicle, as a platform, as a tool to reach this world. Because Jesus is coming back and when he does, none of the things that we live our life for will matter. Money's not gonna matter. Popularity's not gonna matter. How many vacations we went on is not gonna matter. What, what we did, the only thing that will matter is people. And people will forever Forever, 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 they will forever either be with Jesus, with God in a place called paradise, or they will be separated from him in a place called hell. It's the goal. The, the Second Timothy goes like this, God's will. I don't, I don't know what God's will is. The Bible goes, I'll tell you. God's will, Second, First Timothy, I believe, is that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge. That's the goal. God goes, hey, you, you want to know what my goal is? My goal, my will is that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So can I ask you tonight, are you walking worthy in alignment with the calling that's on your life? Can we check real quick, how's our lifestyle? Is there anything tonight that we, that we need to confess? Anything tonight that we, we need to repent? Anything tonight that we go, God, I've been living like over here, but that's not, that's not in alignment with the calling. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that away and saying, thank you for forgiveness and grace. I'm, I'm, it's a new day. What, what are our priorities like? Do we spend endless amounts of time doing things that really account for nothing? Or have we prioritized saying, God, I want to know you. I want to grow in relationship with you. And I want to be used by you. What, what about the goal? H have we made the goal of everything we're doing, reaching people, loving people, serving people? I, I just say tonight that it's, it's never too early to start. It's, ne it, it's never too early to start. And it's never too late to start. I'm, 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 only, I'm only 12. Cool, awesome. Jesus at 12 was all about his father's business. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm graduating high school and like I've kind of wasted. It's, it's never too late to start. 
God's grace is abundant in every season. But the Bible goes, today, someone say today. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Paul goes, hey, if you hear my voice, don't, you hear God, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of 180s. Today is the day of saying, God, no more am I living. I'm living for what you've called me to. And the grace of God is always sufficient. It's never too early and it's never too late to start. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.